Hello, adventurers, and welcome back to Good Better Quest. Before we get started, we are doing a promo swap with our friends over at the Fantastic Show, From Afar podcast. I also wanted to say thank you to all of you who tune in every other week. It means so much to all of us to know that we have the audience that we do. With that, we wanted to extend to you the opportunity to attend Fayer University. Kind of. We've already finished recording Season 2. However, if you want to create an NPC to be featured in Season 3, go to our Twitter, at GBQPod, and fill out our application to go to the college. With that, let's begin the lesson. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah... Yeah, I, I was going for more. Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him. Do about I need that to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey, everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A from Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. Do you smell that? That smelly smell? That smelly smell that smells smelly? Sitting on the ground is a drow woman in a purple cloak with a wooden mask, and she smells of books and sage and musk. Moth uh, looks behind Durak and, and she says, who are these people? Uh, Cash is the shy one. Yardy's the furry one. I'm Cash Black. It's nice to... Yeah! My name is Yardy Dribblejaw. Thank you for catching my friend. If you see Siggy, you'll probably see her in this big monstrosity of a chair. Just act like it's... Just act like it's cool. That's what we're doing. And he dictates that you have permission from the mayor to request services and information that normally tall ones would not be privy to. My name is Durak Ironhide. I'm a disciple of the bear. The bear says, I'm Beauregard. It's nice to meet you, Durak. He he looks at Durak, like up and down and sees the feet. He says, do you remember him? His name was Soot Paul. He fought well and he, and he pants his chest and I do him honor by walking with his feet on my feet. Is that weird for anybody else? <laughs> Only if you make it weird. <laughs> best from afar and far from the best. But it's better than good. It's good, better quest. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Good Better Quest. I am your Fungin Master, David Hallman. With me, as always, are my internet friends, uh, and we are going to play a game of Dungeons & Dragons for your entertainment. Now, previously on Dragon Ball Z, you guys found the scent of moth out at the uh, Memoriam Valley, followed it all the way, miraculously, followed <laughs> it all the way back to Town Hall, where you found moth attempting to scry on Zoe, one of the missing animals, 
in Mayor Buford's office. After a little bit of trying to cover his own ass, Mayor Buford finally admitted to hiring Moth before you got there, uh, and that's why he was so hesitant to have you investigating the whole thing. He didn't want a whole scene of adventurers looking for these missing animals. After some intimidation from Yardy and Cash and uh, honestly everybody, he gave a letter saying that you guys can investigate whatever you need to do to try and find the missing animals. The first place he visited was Scritches, which was a scratching post den owned by a bear named Bear Regard. After a nice back and forth about the endless river with Durak, uh, Bear Regard confided in you guys that he is hearing his master's voice in the middle of the night, but his master has been dead for 10 years. There was some playful banter referencing the hit classic documentary Ghostbusters, and here we are. Oh, very important also. Uh, Cash is in love with Mom. Cool. <laughs> so that's that's important. Let's put that in anywhere in there. <laughs> Free clip that in. You know. It's just anywhere. All right. So after Moth cocks this crossbow, she actually takes the bolt out and uncocks it and says, this is actually dangerous. I shouldn't cock this thing unless I'm ready to fire it. She puts the bolt back in her quiver. She says, I'm so sorry. I'm not normally that irresponsible. Cash. You know, like Looney Tune cartoons, where like their heart would like beat out of their chest, like fully yes. extend. That's how uh, Cash is assuming everyone is looking at him right now. And Cash says, "Don't worry about it. It's uh, it's totally fine. You can you can cock that thing anytime." And realizes that, that sounds terrible, and looks back at Yardy like, "Please help, help. That was not okay." Before Yardy can do anything, Moth definitely, like, gives a giggle, which turns into a full-on laugh. <laughs> she she just... And then she just sh- puts her hand on Cash's shoulder as she's doubled over, like, trying to catch her breath. And she stands back up and she says, That was so funny. You're terrible. <laughs> And she she pats Cash on the shoulder and, and walks out of Scritches, still, like, kind of chuckling to herself. Yeah, Cash can't move. Cash is just like, she touched me. She <laughs> touched me. Ha <laughs> ha. And it's just, like, maybe, like, look, still looked back over at Yardy, you know, <laughs> over his shoulder. I think Yardy goes up and grabs the collar of Cash's jacket and shirt. My- my and he's just, yeah, he's just he's just dragging him like, come on, you silly fool, we need to go. And he's just leaving boot tracks following behind him. Yeah. What's y'all's next plan? It's actually almost nighttime. Um, y'all have been doing a lot of things today. Uh, Yardy wants what's to, your Yardy wants to find the dogs before nightfall so that they can start planning. Okay, you find a lot of the town is gathered around Abby's. The, the little tavern that's just kind of a, a big booth. And you see the four dogs. You see Dart, Doug, Stella, and Miles all sitting at the counter. Miles is just 
ferociously devouring, you know, just just the chicken in front of him. Uh, and the rest are actually just eating like regular dogs. Yardy props Cash up and puts him <laughs> on his boots and looks at Durak and gives a knowing a knowing wink of like, please don't let him fall over. Yeah. And then <laughs> turns around and walks up to the dogs and says, uh, I believe we have some exciting news. And he puts the paper down in front of Dart. Dart looks it over. He says, hmm. I can't read. <laughs> Don't just, feel bad, buddy. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> just, I'm just messing with you. I work in the school store. I can kind of read. And he, <laughs> and he, uh, he looks over. He says, "Well, that's good news. What, uh, what do you think we should do?" Yardy looks back at the team, and and I think he's asking with his his look, his expression. Like, I trust him. Can we trust him with everything that we know? Dart? Yes. Siggy definitely nods. Okay. Yeah, Cash nods. Cash, you know, the more people we have helping, you know, Dart and the team have never led us astray. So I have no, I have no reason not to trust them. Yardy looks at Durek and just shakes his head a little bit. Or nods, nods and kind of raises his shoulders. Durak nods back and kind of shakes himself back to attention. He's been thinking since the sun's going down, since it's getting it's getting dark out, that um, he wants to check back in with Beauregard. You know, he's been he's been able to hear the thoughts of of animals of recently. He's curious about this this voice that uh, Beauregard keeps hearing, and he wonders if maybe he were to spend the night at Beauregard's place, he might experience something that would uh, help them find the missing creatures so he's been sort of putting this together very slowly in his brain and 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 it really comes together more of a as an instinct than as a a fully completed thought he goes um hey i think you guys have got it from here um i'll meet you back meet you back here in the morning sunrise and direct leaves yardy's tail forms a question mark again but he goes good night okay (laughs) good evening and he turns back to Dart and goes, Well, listen, there's, we've gotten a lot of information, and some of it is a little frightening, so I wanted to check with my friends to make sure that I'm not scaring your pants off. Scaring? Scaring your pants off? Is, is that right? Scare, scared out of your pants. Anyway. Can't, can't scare us out of what we're not wearing. Ah, very good point. <laughs> he already gives a, a cat chuckle, which is horrifying. And it's it's mouthy and breathy and just <laughs> and he turns back to Dart and he goes your mayor was trying not to panic anyone and he was wrong people have gone missing and I believe it's worse than anybody knew we spoke with a charming bear fellow however he, he says that there's more of you out east and that's not the most concerning part. You're haunted. All of you are haunted. There are ghosts. This is scary. You should be scared. Ghosts are talking to you. Ghosts? It has to be ghosts. Ghosts. Cash is behind Yardy going like this, like quotations. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, just play along. It's, it's ghosts. Wink. You know, <laughs> Dart. Dart nods. Uh, I, I don't believe in ghosts. 
This is... Yardy looks at him and he he's doubtful that he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he's trying to get his composure back because he knows he's just cracked a little. And he, he says, I... I, th- I think there might be a connection between the the folks out east apparently disappearing as well and your townsfolk also disappearing. Do do you know if Zoe dealt with the people out east? I don't. I I actually don't. I, I don't think she did, but not too far sitting from him is a uh, a black panther just just licking up stew off of a uh a saucer. Dart calls over to him and says, Fang. And Fang comes over. He says, Do you know if, uh, if Zoe ever hung out with, uh, anyone from the East? And Fang ponders for a second and says, No, I don't think I do. I, I don't think Zoe ever hung out in the East. She was a very, she was a city girl. And Dart, Gives kind of a dog smile. He says, yeah, she was. Fang continues and, and he says, No, I um, I don't know where she's gone. I don't think she knows anyone from the East. Maybe she might have known Jax. Uh, everybody knows Jax. And Dart looks at you guys. He says, Jax is an iguana. He, you, he lives out in the East. And come to think of it, I haven't seen him in a while either. Have you, Fang? Fang shakes his head. Nice. Alright. Thanks, Fang. Anytime. He, uh, nuzzles, uh, against Dart, and Dart, uh, licks his head. And, uh, he separates. Is Moth still with us, or is Moth left? Yeah. She's, she's just watching all of this go down and she's you can tell she's just thinking um she sits down uh next to dart and dart looks at her and he says you smell familiar and she just says i get that a lot (laughs) and she uh scratches behind his ear and and he uh seems hesitant at first to accept it but then Scratches his, you know, scritches his scritches. She says, so... Zoe wasn't associated with anyone from the East. Jax, the iguana, is missing from the East. Signs to me are pointing that we need to go East. I agree. I agree with whatever, uh... Whatever this... It's deeper... (laughs) It's deeper every time. It's like, by the end of this, we're not going to be able to pick it up on microphone. It's going to be such a low frequency. I'm just going to be speaking like abyssal at some point. Like, it's just so deep. I believe in her. <laughs> yeah, and Cash can't keep this up. He just keeps coughing because he can't yeah. keep his voice down. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I believe... She's right. She's so smart and capable and soft. Hands, soft. Anyway, and then Cash just throws a gold piece down on the counter. Drinks, your finest drinks all around while we discuss our plans to head east. Yardy is looking up at Cash. His mouth is agape 
and his his hands are just out like <laughs> what is happening right now <laughs> he's not saying anything he's just watching this aghast yeah yardy's never seen i mean in my we spend all of our time pretty much together we're roommates we're yeah. teammates uh Yardy's Cash has never really never flirted seen with Cash anyone. like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yardy got so used to seeing Cash being kind of timid and and wanting to collect the story to to see Cash just completely change how he operates is just like what the hell is happening? I have I really don't understand people and this is just throwing me for a loop. All right. So what what do you guys plan? What I know what Durak's plan is for the evening. I want to know what y'all's plan is for the evening. Yardy wants to coordinate with the dogs and start out first thing in the morning to to travel east. So okay. he he's going to look at Dart and say, I, "I need you to collect a list of the people that you know are gone, and uh, get get ready to travel in the morning." I I agree with this scary lady that. If we go east, we're at least likely to find more answers. So get as much information as you can, and uh, let's let's head out at first light. Are you? Where are you guys gonna crash? Dart offers to uh, let y'all crash at his house. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Cool. All right, you guys go to bed for the night. Durak, you're at Scritches. Yeah. Um. As a uh, as he crossed town. Um. He crossed the square Durak, uh, purchased another chicken, uh, and uh, and a jug of the good stuff, a jug of whiskey, and uh, and he takes it and the chicken to. Uh, well, you're gonna say something. Your face. I'm a, I'm a level with you. These dogs don't have. They don't like, have whiskey. Do they have beer? You. It's it's gonna cost you a pretty penny for a little bit of whiskey. I got like ten gold. Okay, cool. Ten gold, and you get you get a Coca Cola like a Coca Cola can worth of whiskey. Mm-hmm, Is it mm-hmm. Twelve ounces. So you you get that much whiskey. That's fine. That's fine. And I got my chicken. Okay, so um, so Durak Durak has uh, has this chicken and um, like a, like a little jar of whiskey, uh, and he knocks on the door, uh, scratches, Beauregard opens it, and and Durak looks at him and. He's trusting that if this sort of instinct has driven him here, that he believes that he can, if something gets some sort of sense of the of the experiences that Beauregard is having, he trusts that he doesn't need to explain that to Beauregard. That when he opens the door and he shows him the chicken and the whiskey, uh, that he'll just let him in and they'll sit in the most comfortable seats in the, in the building and they won't need to talk. They'll split the chicken. They'll uh, they'll split the whiskey. Durak will um, just sort of sit in whatever chair he's in and put his hands across his belly and kind of settle in. When you offer the whiskey to Beauregard, he holds up a paw and waves it, and he grabs the honey jar that he was going uh, to give you as a reward, and he opens it, and he takes a swig, and he hands it to you, and he says... Thank you. Durak nods at him and takes a swig. That's that's just a honeycomb that's been soaking in whiskey. Oh, that is. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. Um, Durak, despite despite the sort of seriousness of the moment, 
uh, grins and shows all of his teeth. Kind of raises it to uh, um, to Beauregard as if to say, "I'm gonna have some more of this." And um, and he and he tilts yeah. it back and he takes a really a, a just shy of rude uh, amount <laughs> from the jar, and um, and he yeah. hands it back. He hands it back because he knows any more would be rude. And he hands it back uh, and he goes, "I I I do thank you, Beauregard. You are." Uh, you will be remembered. He smiles and nods, and, and before the meal is over, he breaks off a piece of that honeycomb and splits it between the two of you. Um, and I, I think the two of you begin to fall asleep, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So the night goes on. Durak, in the middle of the night, you hear the floorboard creak. And you wake up and you see Beauregard looking out the front shop window, his paws on there, the claws clicking against the glass. And he says, Thea. And when you look out the window, you see a shapeless or or featureless humanoid shape just glowing with what appears to be a hand held out towards Beauregard. And you can see Beauregard is, is just looking sad. Like he, he's looking and he says, you're gone, Thea. I, I can't, I, I can't. And the shape walks up through the door into the shop and uh, now has features. It's an elven woman, uh, a ranger by the looks of things, uh, one who lives out in the woods, and she comes closer to Beauregard and you see her put her hand on the side of his face. Do you do anything or are you just letting this... Oh, Durek's just watching. This is interesting. Okay. Beauregard leans into the hand, but it, it, you know, goes through his face and he pulls back. You see Thea smile kind of solemnly. She puts her hand on his nose and gives it just kind of a little boop tap. And... You see his eyes kind of glaze over, and she walks through the door out of the shop, and you see Beauregard begin to follow her. Durak gets between Beauregard and the door, and he just starts talking. He's like, buddy, I don't know who you think that is, but it ain't who you think it is. I promise you, you need to stay right there. And, and, he, and he like makes himself big against the door. He isn't responding, and he doesn't really even seem... To notice you. He, he's gonna... He tries to push past you through the door. Give me a... Just a contesting strength check. Okay. Jeez, another natural 20, man. Are you fucking with me? I am not fucking with you, dude. I, I like... I almost lied to you just now so you wouldn't think I was a liar. <laughs> like, I almost counted it as a 19 and added my strength modifier to it. Like... 
Really? Um, you push... Uh, Beargard is trying to push past you, and you grab him and push him back. And with the force you push him back, he uh, he kind of stumbles over the counter, and he he stops, and you see his eyes start to come back, and he looks at you, and he says, What just happened? And before you can answer, the door of the shop slams open and the shop window shatters and you hear a screech from outside as this formerly kind of bluish white glowing elf woman turns red and I need you to roll for initiative 17 17. Did you lie? Did you roll another nat 20? No, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So as, as this is going down, like as, as, as the, the door flies open, Durak turns around, recognizes that this is about to go south. Uh, and, and does what he tried to do before when he was trying to locate Siggy. And he just imagines that heartstring so strongly and even reaches up to his chest and, and almost imagines himself like pulling on it. Like just six, you got to hear me right now. And he just jangles the hell out of it. He reaches behind him and he flicks the little tiny miniature hat off the end of his axe. And a glowing light flashes behind his head as the as the axe, uh, the flames of the axe uh, uh, shine. And he tucks the uh, tucks the little hat into his belt and he stra- unstraps the axe from his back and he goes, "All right, Beregard, I sure hope you can fight." <laughs> Beregard says, "Nope." And jumps behind the counter <laughs> in 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 fear. Does Siggy feel the hard string, or do we hear the screeching and the noise of the glass breaking in town? Roll a d6 and add one. Both of us or just cash? Just just cash. I rolled a two. Alright, so in three rounds, I would say you can get there. Okay. You you definitely hear it. But I, I I think you can get there in three rounds. Yardy's scrambling. He's trying to put his pants on. And then he remembers he doesn't need pants and he flicks them off. Yardy, leave yes. the pants! You haven't had them this whole time! <laughs> Yardy and Cash, I will get y'alls uh, when you get there in three rounds. Durak. This ghost attempts to use its horrifying visage on you, which it already did on Beauregard, and that's why he's not fighting. So give me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, jeez. That'll be a six. Okay. Uh, you are frightened okay. uh, of this thing. So you're frightened of this thing for a minute. If the save fails by five or more, which it did, roll a d4 for me. Four. Durak, you physically age 40 years. 40? 40 years. How old was Durak? Durak was 28. He's 68 now. Okay. You feel your skin sag a little bit and, and your muscles become sore in some places. You suddenly have sciatica and an urge to eat dinner at 3 p.m. You're frightened. Which you can roll to save for this at the end of your turn, but you can't attack it uh, or get closer to it willingly. 
Um, so what what do you want to do on your turn? I can attack it still, right? You'll well, you can't get closer to it, and I, I would say it's about twenty feet from you. But you you can attack it. It's just gonna have disadvantage. You just can't get closer to it. So if you wanted to throw one of your hand axes, yeah, you I guess I'll do that then. Okay. Uh, fourteen. That's a hit. All right. Roll that beautiful bean damage. Uh, four. No, nope, okay. six because I'm raging. Six. All right. You can see that your axe goes through it, and while it does seem to affect it a little bit, it doesn't affect it completely since it's not a a, a non magic. It's a non magical weapon. Okay. I get two attacks. Shit. Yeah, you do. I saw that that didn't affect it. Yeah. And so he growls fire and he throws selfish harm at it. You throw your great axe at it. Yeah. All right. Give me that attack roll. I'm going to just make it the same as your It's axe. a natural 20. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Whatever you do, never, ever let anyone else touch that d20, duck. <laughs> All right. So roll your damage. It's already going to be, let's see. It is already going to be, your axe is a d12. How much is the fire damage? Uh, 1d8. So I get a d8, d- okay. I get 1d12 plus 5 for my damage and plus uh, 1d8 for my fire. So roll that real quick. Okay. So 11 regular damage and uh, 5 fire damage. So that is... Just so you know this, 23 regular damage, which it's from a magical weapon, so it takes all of that. And then 8 plus 5, uh, 13, divided by 2, is 7. Okay, so it, you dealt 30 damage just now. You can see the fire didn't really seem to affect it a lot, but just the magic in general from that weapon, it screeches in pain. And your axe is on the other side of it. Uh, give me another wisdom saving throw. You're not going to age anymore. Yeah, it's all right. Um, 12. <sighs> the save is a 13. Oh, well. God damn it. Okay. That's all right. He will die heroically. It's, it's all right. <laughs> the, oh, wait, let me see if Beauregard comes out. Damn it. That was almost a nat 20. It faked me out. It was like, huh? and then rolled back to it too. Beauregard's still scared. The ghost of Thea is going to move closer to Durak. Give me a charisma saving throw. 16. Good. The ghost walks up to you and you see it reach into your chest and it starts from that arm starts to get sucked into your body and you watch this and you're you're terrified this is just the most horrifying thing Durax probably ever seen worse than the birds and the fishes and just in the back of your your head this in in your fucking lizard brain Durax says no and 
it it gets shot back out. You resisted possession from it. You are immune to that uh, condition if it would uh, do it again. Direct's turn. It's right up in your face. That's fine. Um, it's spectral, though. I could run through it, correct? You can, but you can't move closer to it. Oh, well, then I'm going to... still frightened. Right, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to gonna run a wide circle around and go get my axe. All right. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to throw it back at it because I don't see okay. any other way around, right? So Dirac's going to go. He's going to pick it up. He's going to growl fire, and he is going to, uh, to get... Oh, it's just an 11. Is that going to hit? That is just a hit. All right, cool. So an 11 hits, and then he's going to do... Uh, 16 damage with the magic weapon, and All right. 6 damage with fire. It's not looking great. Uh, give me another wisdom saving throw. Direct dies. What, what'd you get? Natural one? He doesn't die from a wisdom, it's just to see whether or not you're frightened or not. Oh, well, he's scared shitless. Yeah, no, I rolled he's a one. terrified. Yeah. Yes. I know that we are on our way. Yeah. Would you say by now we're within 120 feet? Sure. I'm going to cast message. You, you see. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Just before we're, I know we're not probably quite into combat yet. At 120 feet, I, I cast a I see. I want Direct to know we're on our way. You know, I know that the heartstrings, we can't. It's not like a telephone cup. You know, we can't. Yeah. Buddy, we're, we're, we're almost there. I don't know what's going on. Just hold out. I know you're probably fine. You're tougher than all of us. Just, we're coming. You're not alone. We're within 120 feet? Yeah. I'm within range to attack, then. Yeah. All right, I'll let you attack before the ghost. I mean, do you want me to roll initiative, or do you want me to... Yeah, roll initiative real quick, because let's see if you can, uh... If you beat the ghost's initiative. I rolled a 19. I rolled a a 10 total. Okay. Cash, you can actually go before the ghost... Yardy, you're going to go after Durak. How close can I get to this? I know we're within 120. Could I get within, once I see it, can I get within 60, do you think? Or is that not possible? You would have to dash. All right, I'm going to use all my movement. I'm going to dash. I think at this point, I'm, I know that there's there's something spooky, and I don't really see Durak, and I don't know what's happening. I cast Shatter. I'm going to aim it right at... <laughs> right at that thing whatever i'm seeing i don't know what it is i lied i am scared of ghosts so yeah so i'm gonna cast uh it's gotta make a constitution saving throw can't be too good at that Uh, it's not great but it doesn't have to be great with a 19 all right well it still is gonna take half as much damage Four, eleven, nineteen. 19 so half of 19 (laughs) rounded down. Was that nine? I do math for a living. Yeah. Describe to me the dirty deed here, Cash. So, uh, I'm running. Siggy sensed that Durak needed our assistance. I'm confused. I'm tired. We're in the middle of the night. My first instinct, as soon as we see something, for some reason, Shatter is just the first thing that comes to my head. I want to break this thing apart. Um, Yeah. So, I, I dash towards it. And I, I clap my hands together and I'm, I'm yelling as I'm casting this. And I want the, this loud piercing noise. 
to erupt. And I and part of me knows that this could hurt Durak. I don't know how close it is to this thing, but I'm just I'm so scared that I cast this piercing noise in hopes that it does something and gives Durak time to get away or make a move. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing this to like try and give him an out yeah. essentially if this, essentially if this thing's attacking him but what you wind up doing is just like you cast shatter and it's almost like it implodes for a minute into this ball of spectral energy and then blasts in several different directions and the the noise is so loud it does break the windows of a few nearby places Luckily, not the Sunbeam Inn, which is almost exclusively made of windows. <laughs> Does it, are, are the pieces like, it's broken and dead, or are they like, their own things traveling in different directions? It's broken and dead. There is a wisp of blue energy. Durak, you are no longer frightened, because it's gone. Durak drops to his knees, and he tries to lean uh, on his axe handle. Uh, and he's able to, to kind of brace himself. But then he sort of gives that up too and uh, lets, lets his axe fall. And he sits back kind of on his feet. And uh, he feels the age and he feels uh, the pull of, of gravity and fate. And he takes his axe and he just sort of holds it across his lap. And he can't think of anything else to do. As... Yardy, Cash, Siggy, and Moth approach. You see a guy that looks like Durak, but much older. His his skin is sagging. The tufts of red hair here and there on, on Durak are now gray. And he is on the ground uh, with his axe in front of him and, and clearly distraught. And Moth approaches Durak and looks him over and she says not today Durak no you stop and she smacks him across the face and she says you stop pitying yourself right now Durak sort of springs back from the slap and he growls at Moth and he shows all his teeth again uh, only this time is because he's growling. She says, there he is. Durak, for a second, he gets choked up. And you and you see that he's going to start to sob a little bit. Uh, and you see his shoulders bouncing some. Then you uh, then you hear him uh, growl a little bit more, this time lower in his chest. And he sort of, it almost becomes a hum, like a purr, like a growl, like a, like a, a steady sound. For a minute, you think, you think he might be snoring. And you realize he is snoring. (laughs) (laughs) And he jerks his head up and his eyes get really wide. And he looks at Moth and he looks terrified and he looks horrified. He looks sad and he looks old. He puts the axe head on the ground and smoke comes up from the wooden floor. And he pushes himself up on the axe axe handle uh, and he stands as straight as he can. And his, and his shoulders and his back are, are aching terribly, and, and he feels the weight of his own body pulling him down. But he straightens himself out, 
and uh, he wipes his face with uh, the back of his hand. He goes, uh, Moth, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do now, but uh, I still got a little fight left in me. So what's the plan? Moth helps you get back up and, and Siggy as well. And she, she says, we're going to rest for the night, but in the morning, we'll take care of this. So I, she, she's helping guide you to Dart's place. On the way, she says, we can reverse this. We will absolutely find a way to reverse this. Don't you even worry. And I, th I think she's saying this as she's laying you down at Dart's place. Direct's gonna um, kind of raise up on an elbow and find find Cash in the room. He's gonna say, um, "Thanks, you uh, you you saved my life. I owe you." Listen, pal. If this were like the tree thing, I would pull out a ring and give you a life debt. Uh, but I can't take this damn thing off. <laughs> so. I guess you just gotta keep pound around with me, huh? Uh, I reckon. And that's about it. About that time, Durak kind of just kind of falls back onto the bed and he goes to sleep uh, like an old man with his mouth wide open and just very <laughs> noisy. And a couple of times you think he's not breathing, and then he is. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how he ends his evening. Cash, how old is, or Kate? How old is Cash? Cash is around the same age as Durak. I'd say it's 28. Yep. I don't know why I thought he was a teenager. <laughs> he acts like one. <laughs> he acts like one. So I think, I think this is also having other implications on cash as well. Seeing someone who was, you know, obviously races age a little different, but seeing someone who's around the same age as you suddenly be grandpa age. It's a little terrifying. You feel the heartstring tighten. And pluck. And as it does sometimes, time feels like it's stopped. And you feel like you can bring Durak back to his right age, or at least close to it. But it will come at a, a slight cost to you. What is your max HP? 38. 38. You have the option. And... Seriously, the option to roll 1d12 and add plus 3. You will lose that many hit points. Maximum. But Durak will return to his... Close to his age. Durak will become 30 years old. A, f a fate almost worse than death. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and so in this moment, I'm, I'm feeling this heartstring tug, and I know that I can give up some of my vitality to, to cure, cure, quote-unquote, Durak. Yeah. Cash does it. Cash knows that Durak would do the same, would sacrifice to help the group, and uh, I'm going to do it. So let's see. Ten. Take... 10 off your max HP with D&D &D Beyond because it's never been easier. Durak 
as you are asleep and snoring like an old, old, old man, everyone around you sees your skin tighten again and your hair gain its color and and you can't you can't feel it fully right now but god your your back doesn't hurt as much sleeping on this hard floor cash when you do this you feel like you just gave blood but like too much blood you fall to your knees and moth comes to your side and she looks at Durak and she looks at you and she grabs you by the face to look at her face and she says, you stupid child. She just rubs her face. She lifts her mask just a little bit to rub her face and you see her, her dark purple skin smooth under the mask. And she puts it back down and she says, I had a way. You would waste your life when there are options, plenty of other options. Why would you do this? I hold up my hand to Moth. Helping your friends is never a waste. And you know what? You could have had all this. If you don't put your friends first, this isn't gonna work out. <laughs> Moth's impressed. She, you, you see her kind of jolt. She stands up, and she goes towards the door of of Dart's abode and she says I'm sorry I've been traveling alone for a long time I forgot what it's like to be a part of a team and she she walks back over and she lifts the mask just a little bit and in fact give me a perception check which will resolve after this but she gives Cash a kiss on the forehead and turns back around to leave. Go and give me... What's that perception check? Thirteen. You catch a glimpse of her underneath the mask. She is absolutely a drow. Her lips are purple. Her skin is purple. And you can't place it. But she does look familiar. Yardy is going to walk over to his friends and he's going to throw a blanket on Cash, who's who's laying down. He's going to sit between his two friends and he's going to put their heads on his lap because he sees that they're both hurting. And, and Durak is recovered from this and Cash very clearly... She, I, I imagine he looks gaunt. He, he looks kind of sickly oh, now, yeah. having given up part of his life. Um, he puts his friend's heads in his lap and he starts making biscuits on their stomachs. And he says, Tomorrow we have a big adventure. You both need to sleep. So I'll keep watch. You guys just get back what you can. 
Cash is crying, and it's only half <laughs> because of the dander. <laughs> <laughs> Good Better Quest is a Final Plank Media production. This episode edited by Nolan Lacey. Introduction music, A Prelude of Space by My Instant Lunch. Background music provided by Kevin McLeod and TabletopAudio.com. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.